Also, I think one of the only church names named after a fictional character. There you go. See? There you go. Pretty interesting. So, having brought up that fictional character, yeah. the Good Samaritan, <laughs> um, can you think of an instance in which you've seen God this week? No. <laughs> <laughs> that is not helpful. Well, <laughs> everyone, and welcome to the faith to go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is Charlotte Pressler, and I am the youth missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the minister of formation at Good Samaritan Episcopal Church, also in San Diego. And David, I would just like to say Merry Christmas to you today. Uh, Yeah, Merry Christmas. We are in a new liturgical season. We have finished Advent. That's right. It's done. It has come. It has arrived. Yes. There's no more arrival. It has arrived. <laughs> and I hope everybody got their five golden rings today. Oh, that's right. It's the fifth day of Christmas. Well, depending on when, I guess, depending on when you listen to it. Right. You either got five golden rings or six of something. Six or geese. Seven of something. Oh, do you know the verses? Eight of something. Nine of something. <laughs> no. I can't think of it off the top of my head like that. Well, maybe for next week's podcast, we will sing it. Okay. <laughs> Because that will be epiphany. That's true. It'll be the end. Right. So today, um, in lieu of a guest, it is you and I, as we are here in this first Sunday after Mm -hmm. Christmas. Everyone else is busy. And so what I would like to do is I would like to invite you, David, to maybe share a little bit about your ministry context. Sure. I, uh, let's see, I am the, like I say every week, the Minister of Formation at Good Samaritan Episcopal Church. Uh, which is a church in the Diocese of San Diego up in an area of San Diego called, it's kind of debated whether you'd call it University City or La Jolla, mm-hmm. but it's kind of both. And uh, it's right, it's really close to the University of California, San Diego, UCSD. It's like five minutes from that campus. And so <clears throat> University City has a whole lot of like businesses, a lot of high-rise apartments, there's a whole lot of students, mm-hmm. uh, both graduate students and undergraduate students around. And Good Samaritan is a church that has been uh, in University City since the 70s. It okay. was a church plant, actually, of St. James in La Jolla, uh, which is another Episcopal church just, you know, like 10 minutes away. And uh, it has, you know, a lot of uh, children and families. Uh, it's like a kind of a mid-sized church. Uh, they do a lot of outreach work, uh, showers of blessings, a lot of uh, clothing collection and things like that. They had a big ministry to um, collect resources for people who are being sheltered in San Diego, uh, waiting for uh, asylum proceedings mm-hmm. to happen, people coming across the border uh, in this past year. So it's a church that uh, is you know excited to do outreach. It's in kind of an interesting place that's been changing a lot recently with a lot of building and a lot of development, a lot of kind of commercial areas. There's a huge mall right really close to it. And then this kind of campus that's really close as well. Uh, And a whole lot of different, uh, a a very multicultural in terms of the the area of San Diego that's in because of all the students coming in, families Mm -hmm. of graduate students and things like that. So uh, yeah, and, and in that role there, I do all the Christian formation stuff like forums and classes, 
but also I preach and help with um, liturgy and worship, uh, do all the all ages and stages of life, uh, working with the rector there to, you know, to uh, help people deepen their own uh, journey of their spiritual journey, mm-hmm. discipleship, and specifically in that kind of Christian context. Well, I think that there's a lot of exciting things going on at Good Samaritan. They have always been on the forefront of being God's hands and feet in the world on what's needed and how they respond to it. And it's really exciting for you to be there and helping shape the formation. Yeah. Also, I think one of the only church names named after a fictional character. There you go. See? There you go. Pretty interesting. So, having brought up that fictional character, the Good Samaritan, (laughs) um, can you think of an instance in which you've seen God this week? Yeah, so yesterday uh, at church was the the Christmas pageant mm-hmm. happened yesterday on Advent 4, uh, Sunday morning, <clears throat> at the Sunday morning service. And uh, it was, I was a narrator. Excellent. So I had a, a, a small part. And George, who is my 17-month-old son, was a pig. Excellent. And he has a, it was his pig costume from Halloween. Uh, and... You know, he kind of just wandered around the church (laughs) dressed as a pig. He didn't uh, have any, uh, he just was wandering around. And it was really great because it was like, my first instinct in those moments, this is kind of just like a general thing about like being in church with small children is like my first instinct is to like, need to like corral him and figure something out. I feel very responsible in that Mm -hmm. liturgical space. But the way that kind of everyone was there and being very joyful and, you know, paying attention and like he was wandering up and down the aisles and people were just kind of like letting me know that he was next to them and then like sending him back down and he was like walking over and taking all the hay out of the manger and throwing it around and all the kids were kind of like helping put it back and he was like eating Cheerios off the ground with one of the sheep (laughs) and stuff. So (laughs) it was... He did a great job being a pig. Yeah. Um, but it was like this really joyful moment. And it's so nice. It was so nice in that moment to just like be laughing and be joyful and just like kind of letting, it was like a practice of letting go of the mm-hmm. outcome of what George was going to do, which is actually just kind of one of the joys of being a parent, I think, is right. that there's this little person in the world that you are entirely responsible and for, and yet, like, the outcomes of their lives, you are not in any way totally in control of. Right. You know? So, so yeah, that's where I saw God, was in George being a pig, and yeah. in everybody, you know, being in the pageant yesterday. It was really nice. You know, it would be a really fun podcast thing where people could write in and tell us, is their best pageant stories. Yeah. <laughs> that would be great. Because I have a story from this week too, yes. which I'm not going to share now, but we could have an entire like write-in segment mm-hmm. on send us at, you know, my mm-hmm. faith to go, mm-hmm. um, your best pageant stories. Yeah, we could put them on the website. Right. Be really That'd be good. Great. That'd be great. Be really good. Do it, everybody. But before we do that, we do in fact have to discuss this week's gospel, mm-hmm. um, and it is in John. It is the first book of John, verses one through eighteen, and I am going to read the gospel, and then David, if you wouldn't mind, I'll ask you to offer some context for us. I would love to do that. Okay, John chapter one, verses one through eighteen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. 
All things came into be through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. All right, so pretty well-known scripture here. I think most of us... uh, have heard this at one time or another, at least these first lines, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It does hit you right from the beginning to let you know that John's Gospel is going to be a little bit different than the other ones. John's Gospel is usually, is, is most likely the last Gospel written of the four Gospels, um, sometime towards the last uh, decade of the first century, so like the 90s CE, something like that. And it is the product of a, like a strain of this new thing called Christianity uh, that developed um, towards the last third of the first century and, and has its, like a lot of its very own, very unique, specific themes. You know, there's all this light and darkness. There's uh, this thing about the word um, that is not in the other gospels. Uh, it's much more kind of mystical in the way it talks about Jesus Jesus is presented in more of this cosmic light. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of things about like knowing and not knowing. And so it's like a whole, there's a whole lot of different stuff in John. Uh, so it's usually, we kind of set it apart from the other three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, for that reason. Um, it's interesting that this is a Christmas reading because, uh, you know, we're used to the Christmas readings of Mary and Joseph and Jesus. And then Mark doesn't have anything. It just starts with the baptism. But John seems very, it seems very important to John's community that to, you can't start talking about Jesus until you've talked about this thing called the word mm-hmm. and go all the way back to the beginning, in the beginning. So I think there's just like a brief thing about this idea of the word, which is kind of context, but also the first point, I think, is just to like, uh, drill down on what this capital W word is. And as you heard in this, um, as you heard in the reading, it's the pronoun used for the word is him and he. Mm-hmm. That's more of a product of the Greek language and the grammar of the Greek language than the idea that the word is male. Uh, 
we think about this and attached to Jesus, but this word thing is kind of this more cosmic underlying foundation of like reality that Jesus then is the embodiment of. But it doesn't mean that the word is a man any more than we can say that God is a man just because the pronoun for God is he. It just means that theos, God, is a male noun, a masculine noun. I mean, so this thing, this idea of the word is something from Greek philosophy. And so this, there's this kind of like intertwining of Jewish thought and this new kind of Christian thought and then Greek, kind of like the Hellenistic culture that it's all kind of soaking in. And so this word thing is, it, Richard Rohr has a great way of talking about it. He calls it like the, the, the blueprint of everything. Like if you were going to make something, you'd start with the plans for that thing. And then kind of like that, and then you'd use that to create the thing. So that this idea that all things were created through the word means that um, the word is like the blueprint of all creation and that the, the DNA of, is the word is like the DNA that runs through everything, mm-hmm. you know? Which is kind of cool then to think of this word becoming flesh. And what you, the interesting thing is like the word, it doesn't say the word became flesh until 14 verses into this right. thing. You right. Know? It's talking about the word having this whole life before this, you know, enfleshed person, Jesus of Nazareth, existed and lived for 30 years, you know. Uh, 2,000 years ago. So the idea that like the word became flesh to me is talking about, let's look at Jesus, let's look at his whole life. Everything that happened to Jesus is like the full embodiment of this word, which is the divine DNA of everything. So that what you can say about Jesus, you could say about everything, which to me is this idea of the, like, not just what Jesus says, but what Jesus embodies, what Jesus lives out, is the truth of underlying all creation. So that when you look around, you can also see these truths elsewhere in the world, like death and new life, like death and resurrection, like suffering leading leading to joy and things like that. So what is true of Jesus is true of us. It's true of all of creation. This word is like this really big idea, and it's so big that we can't really wrap our minds around it, but we have this kind of inkling of what it means. And the, and then, and then Jesus is kind of like our very concrete and particular way of being able to see what it might mean, Mm -hmm. you know, in this bigger, an idea that's too big for us to understand, put it in a manner that we can understand it through living through our vision of Christ. Like, yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. Well, and it's interesting, David, because as you came to verse 14, that's actually where my point lies. Perfect. Um, So if that works for you, I will go ahead and go first with my point today. Yeah. So, and I have to say that if you were using the resources this last week, I was particularly fond of the activity that went along with the resources, which was kind of more geared towards Christmas Eve than it was towards Advent 4. But since Advent 4 fell on Sunday and then Tuesday was Christmas Eve, I felt like that was an intentional offering to be able to do. And in it, it's that you've had your manger, your crush set sitting there this whole Advent season. And if you're like me, baby Jesus is in the drawer, right? Like baby Jesus <laughs> is in the drawer under the crush waiting yeah. for Christmas Eve to be put into the manger. Of course. And you could just put him in the manger or you can have an intentional conversation with your family about 
the fact that Christ is being born and that's what we're celebrating and, you know, and what that means for all of us. And so I encouraged people to either take straw or if they didn't have that, maybe cut up pieces of ribbon to help make the manger more comfortable Mm -hmm. for Jesus. And how do you do that? Well, not just with the straw, but by the way we show our love for each other and by the way we show our love for God. Mm -hmm. So naming one of those things as each piece of straw was put into the manger, therefore wrapping the baby Jesus in this blanket of love, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is a really lovely way to think about the birth of a child, because ideally when a child is born, the very first thing that they're wrapped in is the love of their parents. So what better way to welcome Jesus than to wrap him in the love of the world? So in this story, though, what we get is that the word is made flesh and dwells, well, I want to read it directly, and the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's son full of grace and truth. Well, that doesn't sound like a baby, (laughs) right? Like this version of this story that we get here with John is not the the narrative of the baby being born. Um, It is this word, and I love it because in this moment of the word became flesh, we take our words, or the word of God in this instance, and we turn it into an action, mm-hmm. that action of birth, of becoming. And not only does it become flesh, but then that flesh dwells among us. So we have two verbs in a row, right? Like we have these very action items that happen. And even though this story is thousands of years old, even though this happened, well, a long, long time ago, um, the reality is is that God still dwells with us. Mm-hmm. That every year we relive this story for a reason. We celebrate the birth of Jesus to remind us that in those 30 years, something miraculous happened, right? Um, God came and dwelled with us. And what did that look like then? And then what does that look like now? And I have to say that part of why we ask those questions of our guests each week when we say, where did you see God this week? is because God's still showing up. Sometimes we're paying attention and we see God, and sometimes we don't even realize God is there walking with us. Mm-hmm. Even in those times we're really struggling, for those people who have lost people in their lives, um, for those people who are struggling financially this time of year, who have spouses who are deployed, there are any number of things that can make life hard and challenging. And even when it seems like his presence is not there, God is there walking with us. Mm-hmm. We're just not paying attention. And then the question for me becomes, then how do we dwell with God? So, um, yeah, so that, I think that uh, works well to get into my point, which is point number three. And I wanted to talk about this light and darkness uh, thing that John is talking about here in the, in the beginning. In the beginning. Uh, and then in the beginning of his, of John's uh, first chapter here. So, I think uh, we have a tendency to think darkness gets a bad rap. Okay. You know? Uh, and I think we do ourselves and darkness a disservice when we think of darkness as like a bad thing. Something to, um, something to avoid at all costs. Um, and I think that when we are... When we think about the darkness as being a bad thing, we are we're losing like our ability to live into like 
mystery and unknowing and and trying to like avoid the suffering that leads to real growth um and kind of like that that kind of doubt that leads to a depth of faith that we wouldn't have otherwise and so i think it's interesting in this first chapter it says uh it talks about this light as uh the light what was coming into being in him was life and the life was the light of all people the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it so this light is like this thing that enlightens everything it is like the the radiance that shines out of every person. And the thing that, that it doesn't say, though, it says that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. This overcome is also this word that could mean like understand, comprehend. But it also doesn't say that the, dark, that the light overcomes the darkness. So that it's not so much that it seems like if the whole point of this light was to dispel darkness completely. It probably could have done that. It seems like if the whole point was to not have darkness, God could have created light and there would have just been light. Mm -hmm. But there is light and dark. And to separate those two things is not necessarily very good. But I think we're called to live at like the precipice of where the light meets the dark. You know, like we are called to be right at that, that like golden hour, you know, or the, the breaking of the dawn, where it, which is where things come into being. Um, and so I think that like to live into this light and dark thing, to, to live into this invitation of the word in John 1 is to be comfortable sitting in that gray area be comfortable sitting in that place where it's not completely light and it's not completely dark but it's like a foot in both places where we are aware that there is something mysterious and unknown and unknowable about who we are and what we are and creation and yet there is this light in the midst of all of that, that we can know some things. And to hold those two things, I think, leads us to a deeper knowing um, that we can't get to if we're in one place or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dwelling. Uh-huh. I think that's three points. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's three points. It's three points. We had the first point, which was more context, um, but really talked about what, it, what the word capital, capital W means. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, what it means to accept that God is dwelling with us even now, and that part of God dwelling with us is also us dwelling with God. Um, and then the third is this balance place, this place of honoring both the light and the darkness and not labeling either as good or as bad. So having heard that discussion, David, will you read the gospel for us one more time? And we'll see if we hear anything new, both with a set, different voice reading the gospel and hearing it for the second time. John 1, 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, 
and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me. From the fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. And before we go, I'd just like to remind you that we want to hear from you. You can contact us through the website, www.myfaithtogo.org, where you can also find all of the Faith to Go resources for this week. You can contact us through Instagram, at faith to go or you can email us directly at faith2go at edsd.org. Now, as part of that, I would particularly like to remind you that we were serious when we mm. said we wanted to have your pageant stories. Extremely serious. So, and these pageant stories do not have to be from this year. They mm-hmm. can be from years past. They can be right. from your own childhood. Mm-hmm. But we would like for you to either email or Instagram us your pageant stories, mostly because it will provide us with great joy. Right. And if anyone's ever done a Christmas pageant based on the first chapter of John's Gospel, oh, I'd we want to know about, about that. that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And so on that happy note, we say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, Goodbye, everybody. everybody.